we are experiencing a paradigm shift. A fundamental change in the way we usually do things. We are intentionally choosing to see the silver lining. Opportunity arises. We can shine a light on the things that weren't working well, on those things that weren't really working at all. We can regroup, reevaluate, and re-engineer. It's time to explore new patterns and paradigms. Those that inspire us to rise above the chaos and explore how the conditions of today can take us to a better tomorrow. Patterns and Paradigms, the Pattern Podcast, from Hudson Valley Pattern for Progress. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 20, The Future of Commercial Development, with your host, Pattern President and CEO, Jonathan Drapkin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Patterns and Paradigms. Our last guest, Chris Silva, has been a true innovator and developer within the programming and management of theaters in the Hudson Valley. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Please remember to subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Please take a moment also to share an episode with a friend. Um, Go back and look in our library. The conversations are still relevant today. This week's bubble or trend, the I word, inflation. This is a big one. Are we headed to a prolonged period of rising prices? Clearly, supply chain shortages in semiconductors, lumber, even chlorine for pools are leading to forced increases in multiple areas for price. Each item has a story, but collectively they add up to weight, inflation in prices, that we have not seen in more than a decade. Will this lead to the Fed Reserve rethinking their strategy for keeping interest rates low? The good news is that there is demand, that the economy seems to want to expand. But like everything else, if you have resources, you can afford to pay more. But if you don't, then inflation is just one more thing that is making your life harder. Bubble or trend, we will have to keep an eye on this. So I'm here with my partner, Pattern Joe Chaika. And with our guest today being owners of over 100 plus acres of land near Stewart Airport, which is our regional airport for the Hudson Valley, I wanted to use our time together to see if you had any thoughts about how do we energize the airport itself? Um, It's been more than a decade since the days when they had almost a million passengers a year. They're nowhere near that number, and that's not due to the pandemic. Yet with a long runway and second-to-none highway access, what could we do, Joe? Well, you know, when when you think about buying a house, you think about three things. Location, location, location. When I... When I think about Stewart, I think about cargo, cargo, and cargo. So with the continued growth of the warehouse distribution centers, Amazon coming in, they're opening here in Orange County, they're opening in Dutchess County. And I say opening, 
you look at these complexes, you can't measure it really in square feet. You have to measure them in acres. These things are 25 to 30 acres in size. They're enormous. So that amount of cargo coming through this region, I think that Stewart has been and will continue to be an amazing cargo hub. And if you continue to look sort of down the line of what I would say some obvious fits, aviation technology center, a flight school, manufacturing of aviation equipment, um, a food distribution hub. We are- Great idea. You Great know, we, idea. We're so close to the black dirt region of Orange County, where is an amazing, you know, they've been growing vegetables there for years. Could, could all, you, Joe, could you imagine a food hub there where you could, if you needed to hop on a plane to deliver something somewhere else, or you needed, you had the road infrastructure to get goods to anywhere you wanted to. Exactly. Or goods could fly in from other parts of the country and you could True. get them to the green market quickly in New York City. But I, it's just positioned really, really well. And the last thought I had was our idea of creating a manufacturing center for modular homes. Why not build a smart technology center for modular home construction right there on the airport? Materials could fly in, materials can be trucked in, and then you could ship actually the boxes back out on larger cargo planes. And if you do it with a, with a smart technology in mind, that produces not just a construction job of laborers putting together frames and things, but it could also include things in technology. So the contractors working there could be developing apps that are somehow installed within the, within the modular homes themselves. And you could also obviously incorporate green building technologies. So those are some ideas for Stuart. Joe, I think they're great. Um, you know, and, and, huh. If only there was a think tank for the Hudson Valley, you know, that could try to imagine what Stewart Airport could look like in the future. But we'll save that for another day. Absolutely. Thanks, J.D. All righty. Our guests today are Guy Liebler and Kevin Plunkett from the Simone Development Companies. Simone specializes in the development of commercial, healthcare, industrial, retail, and residential properties in the tri-state area, and of course, here in the Hudson Valley. Simone's portfolio includes more than 100 properties and exceeds over 7 million square feet. Guy is the president for Simone Healthcare Development and brings more than 35 years of experience in the real estate industry. Kevin is their director of strategic initiatives Kevin is a lawyer with vast experience in both the public and private sector. Guy and Kevin are joining us to share their insights into where commercial development may be heading. Good morning, Guy, and good morning, Kevin. How are you both doing personally? And, and when and where was your aha moment that we were going to be in the thick of things? Uh, John, nice to see you, and thank you for Patterns for Progress for... Uh... So bringing the Simone team on and, and the Simone Healthcare team on. And, and we're, Guy Liebler and I are honored to be part of this podcast and, and, and part of uh, 
the efforts of your great organization that I've worked with for so long. Um, you know, I, I, it really hit me, John, in March of 2020 when one of my colleagues from government who was about my age took sick after having visited a doctor and, and for weeks was being intubated at a local hospital and unfortunately passed away. And I think, you know, the reality of, of what we were facing as a, as a small community, I live in Tarrytown, where, where one of our, our residents had passed away from this virus and this pandemic. And then what we were facing as a, as a, as a region, as a state, as a, as a nation and as a world really hit home. So um, if you were to say, ask me when my aha moment was, it was when I, I, I realized that the disease was, uh, was deadly uh, with people close to me. So it was, uh, it was an awakening. I would say that was uh, a moment in time. No question about, sorry about that, Kevin. No problem. Uh, guys, so, so, so for me, I, um, I was um, in Los Angeles on the 26th and 7th and 8th of 2020. Um, I was with a friend uh, who runs um, a global organization, and um, she was having meetings in the Los Angeles office and spent the entire day uh, on the phone with their offices in Hong Kong. And we're, she was hearing of just chaos uh, within the community and um, a lot of sick people uh, and need for shipping um, all kinds of PPE uh, over uh, to the island uh, from anywhere possible uh, because people were becoming uh, sick. And, uh, it, and, and the conversations early on were, what are we going to do about our people and offices and how are we going to serve our clients? And, you know, for all of us who lived through the financial crisis of, you know, 20, you know 2007 and 8 and 1991 and, and, and the dot-com bust, uh, that was just about money. And we always say, you know, as long as you have your health, you got everything. And, and um, it was that conversation that really hit that this was going to be different than anything else that I had experienced uh, in, my, in my business career. And um, I underestimated uh, what, you know, the, the depths of, of what this was going to become when, of course, we realized when you, you drive, when I happen to have had a need to drive through, through Manhattan in March and April uh, of last year, and there was no one on the streets. No one. Uh, like the, the, a sci-fi movie. It was like a sci-fi movie. The <laughs> yeah. stores were boarded up. The streets were empty. And um, it's just something that we could never have imagined. And uh, you know, uh, I, I give tremendous amount of credit uh, to the healthcare industry and to the scientists uh, who have really carried us through this. Uh, uh, everybody else, you know, either was watching or got in the way. But congratulations to the healthcare workers and to the scientists uh, for, for leading us uh, through this. So let, let's talk about Simone and let's talk about what does your company do? Remember, this is, this is a podcast, so we can't assume that our listeners know who Simone is. So let's start there and, and let's explain who you are, 
what your areas are in in uh, commercial development? Sure. So Simone Development Companies is is an organization that has been in business for more than 50 years. We are now in third generation um, of, of uh, family uh, members. Uh, uh, Patricia and Joanna Simone are the granddaughters of, of Pat Simone, who founded the company, and Joe Simone is now our president uh, and chief executive. Um, our uh, business uh, operates in, in the tri-state metropolitan region. We are now exploring opportunities in Florida, but we really are a, a New York, Connecticut, New Jersey organization. Uh, with most of our business interest today in the warehouse and logistics sector, uh, and we've been in the warehouse uh, uh, sector since the beginning of uh, the company's life, uh, warehousing in the Bronx and, and Lower Westchester, which has now expanded uh, throughout the tri-state region. And of course, today, if you call it logistics, you can probably double the value of your properties. Um, and um, I think that uh, you know, we're very uh, acquisitive. Uh, we, we are uh, actively buying and have been buying more and more warehouse locations. And, and it seems whatever we, we get our hands on, Amazon is about a half a step behind us. Uh, uh, either they're a competitor or they become a tenant. And uh, the other active uh, sector for us is the healthcare industry, where we've been engaged for more than 20 years in working with the, the, the larger um, systems uh, in the region, healthcare providers, and the multi-specialty groups in um, working with them to build out their ambulatory footprint. We know that uh, whether it's by, by cost or, or, or by government uh, uh, activity uh, through legislation, that the need uh, to pull more and more uh, of, of the services outside of the hospital um, is important because of cost. And, and you know, fortunately, because of, of technology and pharmacology, there are things that can be done equally as well or better outside of the hospital building today. And as we've seen in the last year and a quarter with the, the, the COVID-19 uh, impact, um, doing getting ambulatory surgery outside of the hospital is important because that's where the systems actually make money. Um, and if that had to be shut down as it was for many, many, many months, uh, really from March through uh, the third quarter of last year, uh, one, you and I can't have the procedures that we need. Uh, and two, the hospital can't generate the revenue that it needs because it's very expensive to take care of someone in the medicine, you, when you go to the hospital, you go in through two doors, effectively. You go in through the medicine door, pneumonia, for an example. That is a cost. That's a loser for a hospital. But when you and I are going for a knee or a hip uh, replacement, that makes money. The hospital needs to make money on certain business lines to support all of the non-profit generating businesses. There are only five or six business lines that make money. Everything else is either marginal or, or it costs money. So in order for the hospital to be healthy and survive, it needs to do surgery in order to take care of the non-surgical patients. And when they shut down the surgery, um, 
you know, that that's why the, the hospitals got really hit hard last year. One, because they couldn't do surgery. And then just the sheer cost of taking care of patients um, uh, for COVID, whether it was just uh, the, the increased costs of labor, uh, PPE, overtime, burnout. You know, there were just so many factors that were involved. You know, that was, if I recall from, you know, serving on the regional control room, one of the most important um, things that happened was the hospital said you have got to let us do elected surgery in order to en- enable us to do the kind of things you're asking us to do to protect people. And so there was a trade-off and very early on, they tried to say, well, as long as you had a certain amount of ICU beds, then maybe we can figure out how to let you do other kinds of work. But um, your your work in particular, Guy, is in the healthcare area, I believe. And and um, so where do you think we're going post-COVID? Because, you know, telehealth has become, um, you know, we had to resort to it. Um, and then, you know, I've been listening to uh, the World, Wall Street Journal every year does this future of everything. So I've been listening to it the last couple of days. And, and there's a lot of implanting of technology to monitor diabetes, to monitor your heart, to try to say on a regular basis, you're okay, or no, you need to get to a hospital. Is this going to change the business models for how much physical plant or capital, you know, construction needs to be done? Yeah. So on, on two levels, there will be more and more physical um, places to go for your health care outside of the hospital. We've been doing this for a number of years, and I believe we're going to be doing this for another decade. Uh, just creating more and more retail type establishments for healthcare that you can get to uh, you know, five or 10 or 15 minutes from your home that are certainly not institutional. They're very walk-in, they're very friendly. You'll have an appointment, um, but you will not be in the hospital. I, I, I believe that hospitals are going to be a place for trauma, for very sick people, for very specialized and high-end uh, procedures, uh, high-risk uh, delivery for babies, and the rest of it, I think, is going to get pushed out more and more to ambulatory facilities that are either surgical or non-surgical. Um, I do believe that that telehealth um, is here to stay. It was certainly became very valuable. We, I, I had a few telehealth uh, appointments during the pandemic. I thought they were great. They will never replace going to see your doctor when necessary, but they will become a part, not a replacement in healthcare for seeing your doctor in person, but a part of, of our healthcare. And I think that you know the, the, the pandemic has accelerated a lot of things. It certainly will accelerate the building of new facilities that are more sophisticated and, and safer and better mechanical systems, but it did um, uh, give telehealth a, a real kick uh, forward. Um, and, um, I think it's great. 
Um, I also, you know, I know that, uh, you know, what, where, where do you, where, what's the new waiting room uh, to, to see the doctor? And, and the joke is it's the front seat of your car. Um, I think that's true in part. Um, I, I took uh, my dog to the vet last night. Of course, you don't bring the dog in any longer. Somebody comes out, gets the dog from the car and, and, and brings the dog back. I, I don't know if that's going to stay forever. I don't think so. I, 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 I've been going in. Um, I have a monthly appointment to see my physician. Uh, um, I go, I wait, you know, there are only six, you know, every sixth chair is available. Um, I think as we're all vaccinated, we're going to return to a more normal um, course of business. It won't be like it was in 2019, in December of 2019, but we will move back to a norm. We're going to go back to the Yankee game or the Met game. Uh, we're going to go back to theater on September 14th. You know, um, people, you know, uh, Goldman Sachs says they want everybody back in the office in June. Um, we're going to get there, um, but we'll get there a little bit differently and we're all going to become a germaphobe. Um, um, I never paid attention to that stuff, but I do now. Uh, we're going to wash our hands more. If somebody sneezes, we're going to walk away. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're all going to live at a slightly higher level of, of, uh, of concern. But I, I do look forward to um, a more normal, the, the new normal. And I, you know, I know what we all go, well, what's that? And I don't know what it is, but uh, we'll get, we're, we'll find you know, John, one, one of the areas that uh, that I'm following as the director of strategic initiatives for the Simone team is... You're frozen, I hope not. Let's see. No, I can, I, oh, yeah. I can hear Kevin fine. We're fine. Oh, okay. One, one of the areas that, that we're following, I'm following, is the federally qualified health centers, the FQHCs, um, which are um, the uh, clinics and outpatient uh, facilities for a lot of the people in our inner cities and you're and you're beginning to see the federal government um, through the American Recovery Act and and different uh, other pots of money to support the uh, the models that are turning up in, in, in some of our our, our more uh, dense areas because people need health care primary health care uh, across the board so we're beginning to see a, a number of the the, the, the different uh, health centers become more uh, more involved in delivery of health services in the inner cities and in, in the dense communities. So I think you're going to see, as Guy says, a, a changing a changing healthcare environment um, in, in, our, in our whole region, uh, which includes some of the big cities that we all deal with in Westchester, up in Orange County, where you are. So I, I think, as, as Guy says, there'll be a new normal, and, and we haven't gotten there yet. We're on our way to get there. Absolutely. But as as developers, so there, it's hard to know, you know, guy, you gave that image back in, um, you know, March, April, May of last year of New York City being empty. But being in the development world and working in the tri-state region, is there concerns on your part about how Manhattan, New York City, comes back and how does that compare to let's say Westchester or other parts of the Hudson Valley? So of, of course we all know that everything's connected. Um, I believe 
that New York City will um, return and will be vibrant once again. I think that as human beings, we we want interaction, we want um, stimulation, uh, which means restaurants and, and 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 the theater and a museum. We want culture. Uh, we are, you know, we are a, an evolved people, um, and and uh, um, I think we're all just jamming for it. I, I, I went out to dinner on Saturday night um, and I was never so happy to sit at a bar, talk to the bartender, um, have a good time, have a few drinks um, and pay my bill and, 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 and put a big fat, fat tip on it for the bartender who just was the nicest man who I, I, who I just missed. I never met him before, but I missed him. And it was so good to see him. Um, and I do think, and I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to theater coming back and I'm looking forward to all of the restaurants opening. What I'm really looking forward to is to see all that, I can't say it, all that darn plastic that separates all of us going away. Um, and I think as, as we're vaccinated, it will happen. Um, I can tell you here at Simone Development Companies, we are extremely optimistic uh, about coming back to business and new opportunities um, and and finding them and helping our, our clients um, fulfill their, their, their business needs, whether it's on the healthcare sector or the industrial sector. We think that there is a vibrancy that wants to return. Um, people are tired of working from home. Um, they're tired of eating sandwiches at their desk. Uh, and, and we want to re-engage. And I think that it will be uh, very exciting for New York, for Westchester and the Hudson Valley. I think what we've seen in, in, in residential um, housing uh, for our respective counties is exciting because um, the folks, um, you know, not that you or Kevin and I did it, um, but we all know people who sold their homes uh, over the last year. Um, to younger people with younger children, which is great for the communities. It's great for the schools. It's great for the local merchants. Um, and I think that um, it's part of the natural course. And I, I, I do believe there were a lot of people who, you know, I also, I, 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 you know, we all have friends who live in Manhattan and I didn't see it, but I have friends who told me that the moving trucks were just lined up outside of the apartments buildings every day that pe people couldn't get out of the city fast enough, but, and, and into Westchester and into Rockland County just to buy a house. But that means that there are a lot of apartments in New York that are available. And I really believe that over the next year, the rental apartments are going to get rented. Uh, the the co-ops and the condos will find a new level of, of, for absorption. It's going to take a little bit of time. And yes, there, you know, in every every business dislocation, there are winners and losers. Um, and uh, um, you know, as Levon Helm said, there are winners and losers, and I'm south of the line. Um, uh, but you know, there are those that are <laughs> hey, north Hudson of the Valley line, Murphy, also. By the way, yeah, Levon's I know from? he is. I yeah. I know that's why I gave you that because I knew you would know it. <laughs> You know, I chose that one selectively, Jonathan. Um, uh, that was for you. 
Thank you, Gary. Um, but you're welcome. But you know, uh, there, there's this. There's uh, we're, we're going to get back to uh, to a uh, to another level, to a new place, and I think that um, everybody's going to find their spot. And uh, um, I'm glad I'm I'm going to be able to participate in it. It's going to be exciting. Well, right now, I think there's there's no question the market that we've seen, housing market, um, there is virtually, we're getting to the point of no supply in the Hudson Valley. Mm-hmm. So winners and losers as people have moved out of the city. And and by the way, I, I, I know this is no supply in the Hudson Valley. If we had an enormous number of people, 10,000 new families move up to the Hudson Valley, and they'd never know it in New York City. So I'm not really worried that New York City, you know, it is to our benefit, but New York City would be fine. You know, Guy, you mentioned that a lot of Simone's work is in warehouse and logistics. And right now there's a lot of talk about supply chain issues from lumber to um, even, I was reading about chlorine for swimming pools is not available. Do you, is there an opportunity or or how long or it, it just has to work its way through the system almost like the uh what was it the gas pipeline you know yeah that, that, yeah i i i think that you know we, we, you know the big one of course is 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 computer chips absolutely that, uh, that during during for cars that during the pandemic all of the the factories turn their attention to making chips for laptops and zooms and computers and and uh, they stop making chips for cars and and now you know you can't get a new car uh, because they're all you know shut down waiting for chips. Um, it will take some time uh, for the supply chain, whether it's lumber, concrete, glass. Um, uh, and yeah, I got a note from from my pool. Um, 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 guy, uh, you know, like two months ago, telling me that uh, sign up early, open your pool early. There's a shortage of everything, uh, in, you know, chlorine, and there's a shortage of everything in, in his business. But it's true for all of us. We've watched um, uh, construction prices just go stupid crazy in the last three months. And I mean, I don't mean like a 5%. I mean, some things are doubling in price, pipe, uh, and uh, you know, just silly things. And that's just supply chain. And we will see that return to a more normal. Look, we've been getting three percent increases every year in, in, in construction costs, and I think this year we're probably going to be five percent. Uh, and the things that have doubled will come back. And, and uh, you know, it, it is shocking how valuable that that um, oil, the, the Colonial oil pipeline, is. I heard last night that the you would need ten thousand tanker trucks a day. Yes. Um, to equal the amount of oil that that pipeline delivers every day. That's just shocking and phenomenal about how important our infrastructure is. And if we don't protect it, whether it's, you know, through physical improvements or from hacking, we just have to protect uh, with reinvestment to our infrastructure and protect it from cyber um, uh, insecurity, but we have to make sure that those pipelines are are, are physically uh, improved every year. You know, it's, it's no different than just you know every year making the improvements to your house or taking your car to the to the mechanic. We need to take care of of our infrastructure. We're, we're very um, 
um, you know, we're, we're, we're at a very, we're very sensitive uh, to uh, disruption. Um, and we just have to recognize it in today's age. I want to make certain we have time to fully discuss. So Simone Properties owns over 100 acres right in the heart of the Hudson Valley near Stewart Airport. Pattern has for my 15 years been trying to figure out this, uh, this, this, what finally energizes the Stewart Airport or the area around it. It is just a great combination of transportation. There is uh, an airport, uh, the highway system around it is first rate. Um, any thoughts about what you might do with the 100 plus acres there? Um, Guy, I'll take this one. Um, Please. John, yeah, the, the, Simone, the Simone team made a commitment a few years ago to the to this uh, Stewart Airport. Um, as you know, you, you mentioned 15 years. I, I've been involved in discussions on Stewart for, for 25 years. And um, um, uh, before the pandemic, uh, the, the, the Simone team actually had received approval from the town of New Windsor to put up uh, a phase one building, which was uh, uh, a hotel. And they had a flag and were ready to pull permits when, of course, the pandemic hit and uh, caused us to have to rethink and, and reevaluate what's, what's best up there. Uh, one of the things Guy has mentioned um, is warehouses, uh, logistic facilities. Uh, as, you, as you just mentioned, the, the, you couldn't have a, a better location for uh, the uh, transportation uh, sector. Uh, whether it be the, the road network, you have the longest, one of the longest runways in the world, I think, at Stewart Airport. Uh, so you can bring in cargo planes. So we're, you know, we are still reevaluating post-pandemic, and we're not post yet. We're, we're coming out of it, hopefully, for everybody. You know, what would be the best uses up there? We have a few hospital networks in that area. Montefiore came in to, uh, to be part of St. Luke's. Um, so... You know, there may be need for medical offices, warehouses, uh, office buildings. Uh, you heard, I heard guys speaking about, you know, uh, uh, a lot of the businesses may be rethinking about New York versus the suburbs. Jamie Dimon a few weeks ago spoke about J.P. Morgan Chase uh, may not have all of its space needs in the city that it had before. So, you know, it's really, it's really a moving target up there. But I think the word that you use, which is really the operative word is, you know, the energy, I think, I think whether it be in the residential market that you and Guy just spoke about uh, in the suburbs and in the Hudson Valley region, or the, or the commercial market, or the office market, or the healthcare market where, where Guy is, uh, has his finger on, on, on the pulse of what's happening, we think there's a lot of energy that's going to be feeding uh, that, that airport. One of the problems, one of the problems is, is, is a New York, New Jersey Port Authority airport. And when you have JFK and you have Newark and you have LaGuardia and then you have Stewart, uh, you know, all of us can make a decision on where the emphasis is going to be for, for, for the, the big dollars that are needed uh, to make sure the airport is a big success. But with the pandemic ending, with uh, uh, airlines returning to Stewart for commercial tra travel, um, we think we think there's there's energy. That's the good word 
uh, for that airport. And we, we're bullish on, on the region. We're bullish on Orange County, um, the New Windsor area. So and that whole that whole geographic area is something that Simone, the Simone team feels is, is going to be the future, as you mentioned it. That's that's great news. Um, Guy, I want to just get your take on Amazon for a minute, because you said, you know, every time they're either right, you know, either a step behind you or, you know, you can always sort of feel them. So before the pandemic, there was a million square feet um, planned for uh, Montgomery in Orange County. During the pandemic, um, Amazon added 600,000 square feet in Fishkill, I believe, in Dutchess County. Mm-hmm. And then what they call their last mile facilities in Putnam, Westchester, I believe, and Rockland. So not so quietly, they have furthered their footprint for distribution and logistics and have been hiring you know, does there, you know, one of the problems right now in the workforce is like everybody is saying we can't find people. I believe some people have chosen to go to an Amazon because there was a job, they were paying $15 an hour. And um, how do you see this whole Amazon world playing out with competitors? So the Amazon story is is just one that, that will go down in history about a crazy young man who had an idea and he started with, with books. And I don't know if you know the reason that he started with books. I do not. So the reason that Jeff Bezos started with books is just so basic and so simple and so smart. Books that were unsold as part of the publishing model, got returned to the publisher. He had no risk. So if he bought 100 books and 80 of them got sold, he got to return the other 20. That was one reason. That's why books. And the second, of course, is they're non-perishable. So it was brilliant. Um, And Amazon has continued to build a model that functionally is unstoppable. Um, the only thing that can, that can and may stop Amazon will be the United States government for antitrust. But I think for any other reason, there is nothing that will stop Amazon. They have proven that they can get into any model of business, including food, perishables, and they will continue uh, to build um, uh, um, their footprint in all shapes and sizes we even now rent space to Amazon, not for warehouse, but for trucks, truck parking. Uh, because if, if you think about it, what do you see on the street? All those gray, those blue gray vans that are everywhere with the smiley face. So it's a model that will continue to grow. Um, I think there will be some pushback at some point in time. Um, I think they're trying to be good corporate citizens, and I put that in quotes because they bet they have to look like they're being corporate, good corporate citizens, so they will get shut down. So that smiley face isn't there, you know, it's there for a reason. Um, <laughs> they, they want us, they want us all to think that they're our friends. Um, 
The other thing that, that we have to be aware of is that the bigger part of Amazon is, is this part that we don't see, is that they're, they're the biggest cloud company um, on the planet. You know, they, they support the back end for themselves and for everybody else. It's a very important part of their business. And the new CEO that was just named to replace Jeff Bezos is the man that, that ran that and built that. Um, I do believe that we're going to have a very strong retail sector, physical retail sector, but it's going to be more narrow. Um, and it's going to be restaurants, of course. Um, and it's going to be things that we want to go out and buy because we like to go out and buy them, whether it's a bottle of wine that we want to look at the label or it's a piece of jewelry, you know, the aspirational um, uh, retail. Um, but for everything else, um, even I'm buying it online and, and uh, that's a big statement. Uh, and I like to go and I like to go to the I like to go to the supermarket. I enjoy it. I like to go pick up my own vegetables and, and uh, um, go 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 to the wine shop and, and buy that that bottle of Macallan or whatever I want that day. But my daughter, who's 26, buys all of her groceries online, doesn't really care about going to a store and she's too darn busy. Um, so, you know, as I pass on, you know, over time and Kevin and I, you know, get put in the home, um, you know, where someone will bring us our food and we'll drool, dribble it down our shirts. Uh, I, I really do question about the next generation. And I think that we're going to see more and more mixed use where we're going to want to go to that restaurant. Um, uh, and for, perhaps the wine shop will be next door. We're going to want to go for aspirational shopping to, you know, bu not buy the pair of jeans online that get delivered because, you know, we bought this, I'm the same size as I was a year ago and I can go to Levi's.com, but I do want to go buy a suit or I do want to go buy a, a birthday gift for a friend. Um, and I want to see it and I want to have it wrapped and I want to give it to him or her personally. So we all have to evolve and we can't be stuck in our ways and we can't say, well, that's how I used to do it. We better evolve. We're, we're all going to be left behind. And that's what I'm trying to do for our business every day. And, I, and I'm trying to do it for myself as a person every day as well, uh, or we will be left behind professionally, personally evolve. We just have to evolve. Um, you know, Jonathan, one, one thing yeah, that I know, one thing that I know that patterns is very involved with, which I think is going to be a positive impact of all the changes that we've talked about today, and guys mentioned and you've mentioned, is I think the environment's going to be better served. You know, there'll be less cars. Uh, you know, we have all the, the movement already to electric vehicles. I think, I think, I think there's going to be some positive things coming out of what what Guy is calling the new normal and. And um, I think that's good for the planet and it's good for all of us in the next generation. So when Guy and I are together in that nursing home that Guy has put us in, um, the next generation will be enjoying a little bit better, a little bit better planet experience than, than maybe, you know, we've, we've experienced because of the industrial revolutions that, that, that have happened. So I, look, I think that both of you want it. It seems like there's a natural uh, effort here to end this conversation on an upbeat note, both from you, Kevin, and Guy, with you saying the need to evolve, and I couldn't agree with you more, that um, there, there's something about what just happened over the last 14 months that 
accelerated the integration of technology. And everyone says, you know, what well, would have taken 10 years took one year, you know, and I think you're right that, that the whole notion of evolving, accepting, you know, I, do you guys use cash? I haven't used cash in ages. You know, I, I don't even know what it look, you know, it's like, oh, what's cash? But um, I want to give the last word to both of you. So anything else that you want to put on the table as part of the conversation or are you both okay? Uh, okay. Uh, yes, I, I am happy to end on a, on a good note. I, I, I do think um, the next bunch of years could be quite good. And I agree with Kevin, we're going to live better, live more healthy. And if uh, uh, the guys in Washington, you know, just don't screw it up, we'll be fine. And I want, thank I, you, guys. John, I just want to thank you and, and your team. I, I, as I said in the beginning, I've had the pleasure of working with the patterns for many years and with you and, and your team. And please keep up the good work. You keep people on your on their toes up there. You know, you, <laughs> you really... You really, uh, you really are on the cutting edge of the issues that are going to make a difference in the future. So thanks for what you're doing. And thanks for this opportunity for Simone Development Companies, Simone Healthcare, and for all of us to, to get our, our thoughts out on, on, on where we're going to be in the future. Yeah, well said. Thanks, Kevin. And thanks, Guy. Um, and thank you to Simone. Um, this is Jonathan Drapkin on behalf of Patterns and Paradigms. And... Everyone have a good day. Thank you for tuning in to Patterns and Paradigms, the Pattern Podcast. For more information about this episode, visit our website, patternforprogress.org forward slash podcast.